Welcome to Reflect the Life You Want, where we talk about not only how to survive, but to thrive. I'm your host, Tim Howard, man school strategist, former Army officer, successful Homes for Heroes real estate agent. This show will focus on living a life of greatness, of wholeness and completeness. This show will be talking about our dreams, our goals, and how to go about creating them. So join me to learn how to reflect and design the life you want to live. So this is Tim Howard, the host of Reflect the Life You Want. And I just want to take a minute on the front end of this episode just to encourage you, if you want to learn more about the Mirror Book Project or the Man School Coaching, you can go to Tim Howard, the Mirror on Instagram or go to LinkedIn under Tim Howard and reach out to me, learn more about the Mirror Book Project forthcoming and the Man School, the Great Man's Legacy coursework. Or if you're a woman, you want to learn about the art of being a woman and the woman's school and connect with uh, my co-author, Maria Spears, uh, reach out to me and I'll make that connection with you. I'm especially delighted today to have as a very special guest on Reflect a Life You Want, John Panaccione. And it's an honor to have you here with us this afternoon. Oh, great to be here, Tim. feel privileged. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to do so. It's interesting. We, we realized uh, just a, in recent months ago, we served together in the 82nd Airborne a long time ago. We were yeah. much younger men. Oh, yeah. We probably passed each other on our dens. <laughs> <laughs> so our dens is one of the main roads on um, at Fort Bragg, but I was a young captain. I was a battalion fire support officer for uh, 2nd of the 505th Parachute Infantry Regiment, and I think you were part of Task Force 2505 as the, the tank Right. We were in the platoon. same task force, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the armor battalion there. Yeah. Yep. So 3rd of the 73rd. That's right, 3rd to 73rd. I, too, was a lieutenant, got, and then left as a captain. Yeah. So John and I uh, served together in 82nd Airborne. I was there in the late 1980s, and you were there for... Late 80s and the 90s. Yeah, into the 90s, yeah. yeah. So proud to have served our country in that capacity. And it's just so cool that here we are. We can get to reconnect yeah, all these years. Yeah, it's a small right. world, small yeah. army. Yeah, it is indeed. So what I like to do with my guests of the show is just start out by you sharing a little bit of your personal story, your background, and maybe some of your professional background so our audience and listeners just kind of get a sense of who John is, and then we'll go into some different topics. Sure. Uh, well, I'll be brief. I'll, I'll just mention some things that might become important a little bit later in the talk. Yeah. But uh, I grew up in Rhode Island, and, uh, you know, not to start out with a bummer, but I lost my dad when I was nine, so that impacts some some of what I might say. So, uh, you know, no regrets about my childhood in, in general, but, you know, it wasn't easy. And uh, ended up going to community college after high school because I didn't know what I was going to do. And long story short, ended up deciding to go into ROTC late after community college. So I ended up having to go to basic and uh, that summer between my junior year and in the Army, and then went back to school, finished my uh, degree, and went in as in the Army through ROTC as a second lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Um, then I spent six years in the Army on active duty, um, did the Desert Storm thing, and learned a lot, you know, which I'm sure we'll get into through my Army experience. I'm sure you have similar stories and mm-hmm. had great leaders there, really shaped my life, you know, it was a big part of who I am today. And then I got out, and I, I left the Army on a Friday, and I started full-time MBA program the following Monday on a college campus. That was quite the culture shock. <laughs> yeah. I did that for two years straight and uh, got my MBA. And then I worked for several companies for about 10 years, 
big companies, small companies. And then um, in 2003, started my first company called Logic Bay. And then I just sold that last year after 18 years. Recently had the smile surgically removed from my face as a result <laughs> of that sale. And then um, I've and then, and during that time, I co-founded uh, with another Army veteran, Vet to CEO, which is a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just uh, launched uh, a company called Fola Capital mm -hmm. last year. We're an SEC-registered broker-dealer, which is a fancy way of saying we help companies raise capital yeah. uh, through different programs. Remind me the name Fola. There has significance to that. And I think it's a, an Italian word, possibly. Yeah, it's an Italian word, but I recently found out there's a Spanish translation, and we probably don't want to go there okay. on the program. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can figure that out later. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, one that we were not aware of. Oh, okay. But, uh, so we'll stay away from that. Yeah. I was thinking it was a positive thing. Well, full is Italian for crowd. So yeah, we do crowd crowdfunding. Funding. That's what it was. Totally crowd. different meaning crowd. in Spain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll stay away from the Spanish translation. <laughs> Well, you and I have some similar history in that I was at ROTC. I went to Gonzaga University. I grew up out in the Seattle area, but went through that process and spent uh, four and a half years on active duty and then another 14 or so in the individual ready reserve, but uh, moved to the Wilmington area about the time frame right after 9-11 yeah. when I first moved here and started my first small business venture as a franchise business owner. But... Um, yeah, you mentioned, you know, we had, the, I think, the distinct privilege of serving under some great leaders as junior military officers. One of them, Colonel Lynn Bailey, that we oh, both yeah. served with, second of the 505th. Yeah. And he was a passionate guy. Yeah, and I keep trying to find him. And Colonel Bailey, if you're listening, please get in touch with us. But, uh, yeah, he, he really changed my life. In fact, he, uh, I was a platoon leader for over two years, which is unheard of. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons was, uh, yeah, he wanted all his task force leaders to stay with him his entire command, which was two years. So yeah. I was really uh, blessed by that. Yeah, he was an amazing. I recently reconnected with Lieutenant. He was then Lieutenant Colonel Denny Ty. He was the battalion commander, the first of three nineteenth Airborne okay. Field Artillery Regiment, and. Colonel Ty was one of those really influential leaders for me. In, in addition to Colonel Bailey, who I you know served and supported for a shorter period of time, but. Yeah, I think, you know, as a young officer, I served alongside of some great young military leaders that had a huge influence on me and how I looked at the world and how I went out into the corporate life and further on and how I decided I wanted to show up as a leader. Right, right. And, yeah, looking back, I mean, the military is this huge, like, petri dish for leadership, right? Mm -hmm. and, the, and the 82nd in particular, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of tolerance for poor leadership right. and because of the mission. So, uh, yeah, it's, it was a priceless experience. Yeah, we, I yeah. think we were both blessed by that, to have that experience and then take carry that forward into our lives and what we did later. So Logic Bay, I mean, tell us about that. What, you know, what was that? journey going from being a military leader to the startup and you know what were some key learnings in that that you know you might impart to another person who's thinking about starting up a business yeah so um look i'm a big fan of entrepreneurship in general um 
but to answer your specific question, I, the journey was, you know, I got out of the military, and, and as you think you were artillery, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you go from artillery, I was in armor tanks, and you start to think when you're in, what the heck am I going to do when this. I get out? <laughs> like uh, maybe drive a cab in New York, uh, <laughs> but something like that. But you struggle with what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. So I went on this 10-year journey um, where uh, I... I, I First of all, I didn't think I was smart enough to get a graduate degree. I, I never thought I'd finish it. I just took that as the free thing to do when I got out. But mm -hmm. lo and behold, I did pass and made it through. And then I worked for MetLife for a while, big company. They were great to me. But I started to realize that I'm a little different. You know, you probably went through the same thing. You, you know, I'm working with people that weren't in the military, and there's no, nothing better or worse about it. You just feel like you're different, yeah. right? Yeah. And the way that military teaches you how to make decisions and planning and think through risky situations and all that becomes second nature. So when you have business problems, you kind of think through them differently. Yes. And I found that as time went on, I'm like, you know, no-brainer, you know, problems to solve were like rocket science to people. And yeah. not that I was better than anybody. Just I just thought differently. Yeah. And then it took me 10 years to realize that hey, maybe I have the, you know, the DNA to be successful being a small business owner and an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I also got smart enough to know that if you don't do it by a certain age, it just gets harder because yeah. of family issues. So at 39, I, uh, I decided with a couple of partners, one of which was another veteran, Vietnam mm -hmm. veteran, who's mm -hmm. still a good friend of mine, a mentor, uh, to start Logic Bay in 2003. We actually started it as a different company name, but that's a long story. But mm -hmm. you know, we went ahead and started it in 2003. Yeah. So you took that leap of faith and believing in yourself that you actually had something that could create value for other people based on your experiences in life. Yeah, and, and back then, you might recall, there wasn't the support network there is today for veterans. No, so not at all. It took me a decade for that <laughs> light bulb to go off. Today, with vet to ceo and many other yeah. organizations like it, you know, we're, we're getting guys and gals that are still in active mm -hmm. duty yes. thinking about this so it doesn't take them 10 years to figure it out and gain that confidence well it's cool that you've stepped in and helped to fill that gap the vet to ceo the nonprofit organization can you talk a little bit about how how does that go about how do people take advantage of that and you know what's what's the structure for that yeah it's a it's a nonprofit. uh it's free to attend for veterans uh, we're getting more and more active duty people which we're delighted to see mm -hmm. um and it, it's really a, it's a six-week program and it's kind of like a mini MBA, yeah. but um, you know we don't focus on things, core generic skills that anybody in the military leaves the military with. And I won't bore the audience with what those things are. Right. But we augment it with things that we rarely see in the military, particularly finance and marketing type thing mm -hmm. uh, topics that are important in business. So we've kind of created this design of a program that takes the raw DNA from somebody with military experience and builds on it the business skills that are must-haves uh, in the business world. And it, it's all online, so we get people from all over. Mm -hmm. We've had people in Iraq and Afghanistan actually participate, which was kind of cool, yeah. um, less so this, these days. But, um, yeah, it's open to everybody if you're wounded warrior or whatever there's no barrier to really participate we're quite proud of that yeah and that was before it was cool to do online you know before COVID. so <laughs> yeah been like that since day one well as you mentioned now now there's a number of organizations are really being more intentional about stepping in that space to help the yeah, we're running into new ones all the time yeah and it's great yeah more the merrier yeah it's absolutely yeah so the um you made this decision to join the material and then go down this entrepreneurial path but i mean 
those decisions really had huge impact on your life then. And then, you know, it's like I'm imagining what are some of those life learnings and the wisdom that you've gained from those experiences now that are beneficial to someone else? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I, I think looking back, I was never 100% sure it was the good decision or the right decision, you mm -hmm. know. And every, any, almost every decision I've made, mm -hmm. um, and especially the big ones in life, like yeah. uh, where to live, who to marry or not to get married, whether to go in the military or not go in the military, mm -hmm. um, and then whether to go down the path less traveled as a small business owner, which is really scary to people, right? Mm -hmm. So when, when we make these decisions that aren't the popular decisions, right, or the, what everybody else is doing, it can be very difficult, right? And there's, right. So I guess what I've learned from that is not to be afraid to mm -hmm. stick your neck out and, and make those decisions. I've, I, the second thing I've learned associated with that is, you know, the military concept of let the situation develop, right? Yeah. Such a simple concept. Yeah. I find it in, like, the non-military context. Everybody's like, what decision are you going to make? What decision are you going to make? Sometimes, especially paratroopers when you're outnumbered, yeah, yeah. like, don't do anything. Let them go by. <laughs> you know, and wait till you have an advantage. And I, that's, like, ingrained in me now. Yeah. So, you know, if you make a decision and you realize real quick maybe that wasn't a good decision, you know, mm -hmm. I've learned to, like, don't overreact and let the situation develop and, and shape it into what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I've learned. Well, I was just thinking of a concept that uh, we teach in the man school, this idea of fail forward fast. And I, I've, I've kind of been changing that first word to be more like fall forward fast. Yeah. But this idea that, you know, once we make a decision, get into action. Right. But we really won't know. Just like you said, the situation will develop and then right. we can make adjustments and... Uh, recalibrate or adjust or something doesn't go quite the way we thought it was right. going to go and make it just and be and, comfortable with that yeah. Yeah. in our our military lingual used to talk about you know once we cross that line of departure yeah. and engage with the enemy you can kind of throw the plan out right. because it's all situational dependent but the one of the really key strengths and I felt like was developed within us as young military leaders, especially in the kind of work we were doing in these segments, was the ability to plan right, and really to think out various different types of situations that might unfold and be prepared so that we as leaders, when those situations started to develop, we knew what resources we had at our disposal. We right. knew who to call or we knew how to do something and we could make a decision under stress. Right. And then help guide the men and the women that we were leading. Yeah, and, and I would add to your list to trust and enable others, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, on any jump, the, the lowest-ranking dude had to know what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we used to, that was like part of the culture. I don't see so much of that in, uh, you know, outside the military. And then, and then trusting people to do the right thing with yeah. leaders' intent and that whole concept. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that really is part of... Uh, the military success, and I think kind of translates into, you know, real life, too, that you don't see as often as you should, I think. Yeah, more that mission-oriented guidance and trust that the people, if you've trained them well, they have the skill sets, they have the knowledge, you have the capability to do it if you actually allow them to do so. Right, and they know what the big picture goal looks like. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how frustrated I am in the business world where everything's compartmentalized and some mm -hmm. genius at the top with all the degrees has the whole mm -hmm. picture in the, his or her head and that just drives me crazy. You know, I think the whole organization, any organization ought to 
you know, sing out of the same hymn book, so mm -hmm. to speak. Well, it's interesting, I had a guest on recently, and we were talking about kind of that overarching big why, and what you're speaking to is the, as a leader, the ability to cast that vision yeah. and kind of everybody understand, okay, we're going this direction. And we're going there because of, you give them the why, right? Yes. Just, it's not just take that hill because yes. I told you to. Right. <laughs> it's take that hill because if we don't take that hill, uh, this village behind us is going to get, you know, yeah. overrun, that kind of thing. Yeah. So without that added piece, you don't get the drive out of people. I, I find in my own experience, too, another thing that really is useful and helpful is kind of shared values. So in the military, we had that. I mean, they were, they were spelled out in black and white. And they were adopted, but in... Like as you're creating a new organization, you've created Logic Bay in the past. Now you got Fuller Capital um, and Bet to CEO. There's kind of like core values that are important to who you are and that guide you and you want to see show up so that everybody that's following knows, oh, I know that John would want me to act in this way or honor right. this value in how I go about accomplishing what I'm trying to accomplish. Right. That's a very important topic to me. We can go down that if you want. Mm -hmm. You know, part of my experience at MetLife was actually I was tasked with having the teach ethics, which is <laughs> a real puzzle when you think about it. But long story short, I, I, I read a book called How Good People Make Tough Choices by Rushworth Kidder. He's since passed away. But and then he had a whole institute around the book. But uh, values was the cornerstone of decision-making, which if you think about it, right? Okay. Different cultures have different values. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's the conflict of values between different people where conflict occurs. Mm -hmm. But your values form your, the decisions you make, right? right? And it gets a little complicated. But I'm a big fan of what you just said and uh, couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Well, I think that of all the organizations I've been a part of, uh, since leaving the military, which I think is where I first really learned that concept, other than in your family system, what, you right. know, what are the values you have there, is that the organizations that were both in terms of the values that they had, that they shared, and the ones that truly lived it out. They didn't just talk about it, but they lived it out. They created a unique culture that made it easier for us as members of the organization to make decisions because we knew, okay, well, we're going to do it the right way. You know, and the right way is this way. Right. And so it got easier uh, to make tough decisions. It's like, yeah, it, it may not be the easy way to get it done, but this supports and honors our values. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I was just talking about this with the Vet to CEO team. You know, it dawned on me personally recently, and I asked for feedback, and it was a big light bulb moment because we're not the brightest guys in the world. There. <laughs> I don't want you to know that. But, um, you know, when you say you – you were in the military. What what's the word you use when people say, "Were you in the military?" What, what I'm putting you on the spot. I here. served. You served in the military, right. right? Right. This might not be new to you, but let me let me go with this to get a little good point in, please. Yeah. Uh, when when you ask people, um, "What do you do?" They say, "I work at." Yes. Fill in the blank. Yes. Right. Work is something we all have to do, and you pick a place that's taking you to allow you to work there. Yeah. But I think it comes back to your point about values, right? Mm -hmm. when, when an organization has values that people buy into and really embrace, mm -hmm. you're serving that organization. It's yeah. greater than you are, right? Yes. And religion's the same way, right? Mm -hmm. So, in my opinion, when you work at a place and you can't stand your boss and you, and you hate for what the mission of that company is, but you need a paycheck, it's that's a whole different world, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, I'm rambling on a bit, but I agree with, emphatically about what. No, I, I think I think that's so true and so important. And sometimes, 
you know, one of the challenges I see for a business, and I was talking to a business owner last night. Uh, we were at a networking event with veteran business owners, uh, the Veteran Business Collective, and we were talking about the challenge of trying to find and retain quality people mm -hmm. and some of the values in the current um, situation that may not be present that maybe of our generation we, we would have expected people to think about things in a way. Um, and it's cultural, right. but it's, you know, it's also, some, some of it's generational, but some of it's cultural, but it's like some of those values that I hope that I've imparted to my sons, and I know on some level I have, of strong work ethic, you know, and your word is your bond, you know, what you say is the way you're going to be. Um, sometimes those values aren't always present and as we're trying to attract and retain high quality people for organizations it's sometimes harder because they're they're more interested in what's in it for them than they are in serving the greater good of the organization right well well two things in response to that one is one of the things i learned from that metlife project which was actually one of the highlights of my corporate career but we, we made this simulation on ethical dilemmas, mm -hmm. like on a computer. And um, uh, we had employees with laptops that would take it home, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so they would actually have their kids go through a scenario. And these are everyday things, not insurance-related. I won't bore you with details. And they would their kids would make dramatically different decisions in the same exact situation than their parents were and i was getting this feedback from employees saying my kids choose that I mean, we had this huge family discussion and then employees in the cafeteria were arguing about which choice was the better choice in these situations and there were debates going on everywhere what i learned from that was you have strong beliefs that you think uh, quote unquote the right ones are the proper ones right but somebody, and it could be your own family member, has mm -hmm. strongly different beliefs that mm -hmm. they strongly believe in. And, and that's where potential conflict comes in and disagreements. And when you're talking about an organization, you know, you got a collection of people that based on their religious background, their family background, mm -hmm. they have a different set of values and beliefs. And, and your job as a leader is to get them all to you know, uh, blend well together. Kind of coalesce all them and move it in the same right. Direction. And the military does a good job at doing that at scale. Yes. But um, you know, yeah, in any organization, it's always a challenge. No one's right or wrong. It's just yeah. that we all have different values. Yeah, I think it is especially uh, probably more challenging now um, because of culturally there there is much there's a greater respect for diversity. I think. Right. But there's also like an almost an expectation. That some people have that you you have to believe what I think, yeah. and that gets a little challenging. Like, well, yeah, it is. I'm going to respect and honor your your ability to believe what you believe, but I don't necessarily have to take that on as my own belief. And it, it gets challenging sometimes that people have those expectations. Well, you should think this way. Well, actually, no, I'm going to think <laughs> the way I think, my based on my own beliefs. But I will allow you and honor what you think. Just don't cram it down my throat. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot to that, as you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's magnified these days, as yeah. you're as you're alluding to. Yeah. yeah, well, it is certainly an interesting challenge as a, as a younger leader, and you know, you and I are both leaders of relatively small organizations. But who we are as individuals, and what we reflect out there into the world, 
has meaning, has significance, and impacts every interaction we have with people, whether it's someone that we're working with, a client, someone we're trying to serve. Right. Uh, that all has impact. It all has. It all reflects the contribution we're making into that situation. It has yeah. a ripple effect down into the world. So it is important. Yeah, one of the things I did that I'd like to share, um, if there's one good thing I did at, at Logic Bay over the years, was I, I developed a set of what I call guiding principles. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, they were general in nature. And like one example is uh, never ask an open-ended question. Just um, if there's an issue, have a recommendation mm-hmm. with at least one alternative. You yeah, know, that's a simple concept, right? We learned that in the military. We learned that in the military. That's yeah. one of the principles, right? So don't like throw the problem on the monkey on the other person's back. Like figure it out. You're the one closest to the action, yeah. right? So part of our success as a company, I think, is I I would go over those guiding principles with uh, every new employee. About once a year, we reviewed them. We would tweak them. And and I think that's what sustained us through all the storms we weathered over 18 years. But it was an operational way to create shared values. You know, they they weren't really earth-shattering things. But as a group, and we worked distributed, by the way, before that was cool, but um, you know, as a group, we really gelled well together because mm-hmm. while we were wildly had wildly different backgrounds, we all had the same kind of belief system embedded in these principles mm-hmm. that allowed us to operate efficiently. Yeah, that's really cool. What were some other key guiding principles you think that you developed that were really impactful that helped you to have success? Oh, some were simple, like you know, and integrity is like time. Once you lose it, you can't get it back. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know, and uh, I I share them with people and, you know, I email them to people and, mm-hmm. you know, some basic stuff like uh, always be on time. You know, you're stealing somebody else's time if you're late, you know, mm-hmm. and just keep that in mind. Vince Lombardi kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, just basic stuff. But when you look at them collectively, they um, they kind of over time get an organization, especially a distributed one, all kind of rely on each other mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, uh, operate more efficiently. One thing that's kind of coming up for me as you're talking about that is it's kind of the concept of just respect. Right, mutual respect. Yeah, yeah. and honoring one another's time because the time is such a valuable thing. And, and uh, my co-author, Maria Spears, we talk about it in terms of um, each interaction we have is a gift. It's like a gift moment. It's like, and so it's like this interaction we're having right now talking about sharing ideas, it's like, that's gift. We want to value that, treasure that, honor that. But it's also like it's an opportunity. It's like an opportunity to inspire someone with a new idea, to encourage them, or to um, you know create some enthusiasm with them, um, or edify them in some way. But it's like it's 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 not without meaning that we're having a conversation, you know, and we're doing this work together in service of some greater good. Right. Right. So. Yeah, no, I, I subscribe to that. I read a book recently called The Go-Giver. Have you heard of that book? Oh, yeah. yeah I big... actually had the co-author, Bob Berg, of The Go-Giver, as a guest on this podcast oh, really? recently. Yeah. Oh, wow. I feel important now. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm a big fan of that concept. It's a similar great, to what you were saying. Great, right? great book. It's yeah. uh, probably one of the, the most impactful books I've ever read in terms yeah. of internalizing that into my life and yeah. making that a part of how I conduct business. Yeah, and so have I. And, and I've noticed every time I try to help somebody, not that I'm some genius, but I actually learn more from them or as much about that interaction I never expected than 
then. I do my 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 hobby now is talking to Uber drivers, you know. <laughs> and uh, I love to learn about Uber drivers. Yeah. And compare my first impression of who they really are, and it's such a great learning experience. Well, Bob, I, when I, he was on the show, and we talked about you know the fifth law is that law of receptivity, you yeah. know, and being open to receiving. Because if, if you're always giving, someone else has to be receiving. But a key underlying principle that relates to what you're talking about with Uber drivers is concept of humility. Yeah. And that may be, and my master coach in the man school, he says, you know, that may be the most important virtue that we have is that we stay open to receiving and learning from anybody. Because right. we can learn from anybody we interact with, yeah. regardless of their position or place in our life. They have some unique gifts and talents that are meant to be shared with the world. And if we're open to it, we might actually learn something from them. Yeah, you're, you're touching on such great... I, I mean, I get up in the morning every day now. Like, that's what drives me every day. I love to interact with people. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't listen today. People yeah. walk around with, you know, on their phones or they got this mental model of the world that doesn't change and everybody they interact with, they kind of put in their mind not to be negative. But it's so enjoyable to break free of that. And actually, oh, yeah. every person you interact with, just, just like stop and listen and, uh, and get to know them and understand how they tick. It's, it's enjoyable. It's like a hobby. Yes. <laughs> and it's so easy to get through every day that way when you have that attitude. You know, I've, I've learned that over time and well, I, I practice it. Yeah, I think staying open and having that intellectual curiosity yeah. in each interaction the priest will get is, uh, I think that's powerful. So... Ahead of the show, we talked about, um, you know, what in that reflect a life you want, that reflect across it, what was one of the key topics um, that we might want to touch upon. And you suggested we talk about recognize you have the power to change your life. And I was just curious why that resonated with you and what you've learned in life that uh, is manifest that you could share with others about that idea? Well, I alluded to it earlier um, about the key decisions I've made. I, yeah. I think anybody has the freedom. One of the greatest freedoms you have in, in life is the ability to make decisions, mm -hmm. particularly in this country, right? and not have them imposed upon you. It doesn't matter what kind of background you, you come from, mm -hmm. you know, in my opinion. And mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't handed anything, you know. Mm -hmm. And you can, by making conscious decisions... And the more unconventional they are, I think, the better. Um, the more you can create your own future that's, mm -hmm. that, that, that is what you want it to be. You know? And then, you know, like we talked about earlier, let the situation develop. You're going to make bad decisions. Not every decision is going to be great. <laughs> but if you live with the decision you made and work with it, right? But the key is make decisions. Um, don't be reckless about it. But uh, what I tell everybody, what I tell my kids, uh, you know, anybody that cares to ask me, and not that, again, I just, I've learned to answer your question that putting some balls in play, right? Mm -hmm. Putting, throwing some balls around the table and, and watching them bounce around mm -hmm. creates a future for you. And if you don't do that, if you don't put anything in play, you're subject to where the world wants to take you. Take you, right? yeah. Well, you put some balls in play recently. You sold a business you'd owned for many, many years, and you've started now Fola Capital. And I'm wondering both, you know, what is it about Fola Capital you want to share with other people that is unique? Because when I've learned about it, the, the, the funding mechanism for helping other business, I think, is interesting. But also, too, just what have you learned in going through that change of having this baby for all these years and now you're launching this new thing? Well, 
Uh, I'm very proud of uh, my my uh, my participation in Logic Bay. I missed the team. You know, mm -hmm. that was hard. They're still there. I'm kind of not, but um, uh, I really missed that. But you know, at some point, you know, with a business, especially achieving an exit is actually a rare event, right? So yeah. I was I was I was proud of the team for uh, reaching that in a positive way that was good for the team. Um, but what led to Fuller Capital was along that 18-year journey, despite having a, a graduate degree, an MBA, I didn't know anything. And I, I'm willing to say this, almost everybody doesn't know anything about the real world of small business finance. Yeah. Zero, nothing. And I like to say uh, we're white belts. And then when, when there's a financial issue, the people with black belts in finance, uh, you know what happens when a white belt <laughs> fights a black belt. Um, so Fola Capital is all about, you know, having practitioners, me and my partners who have run businesses, help other businesses who are just learning, have the white belts, uh, how to figure out how to navigate through the shark-infested waters of financing a small business, right, yeah. without going through the horror stories you hear about. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really a fun, fun thing to do every day. Mm -hmm. It's enjoyable, and it's a way of me kind of giving back and yes. making a living at it at the same time, you know. That's what full account. Yeah, I, you know, was at a, an event recently where you spoke and another uh, person involved in raising capital for businesses, just sharing your guys' wisdom and learning experience. And it was interesting just to hear both some of the different perspectives, but also hear some of the commonality in, in what you guys have learned and sharing with other small business leaders that are either getting started or want to get started and what some of that wisdom was you guys have gained over the years. I think that was very impactful. Well, Thanks for that. I think, uh, as I said in that event, you know, the, the, the things that aren't talked about in mm -hmm. the public forums might be boring, but it's the stuff that gets you in trouble. But nobody wants to talk about those things yeah. because it's sometimes unpleasant. It's yeah. kind of tough love type of topics yes. that is missing in the mainstream mm -hmm. world of entrepreneurship. Well, you've got the scars of having made some of those decisions and maybe some of them didn't go quite as well or learning from some decisions or experiences that you can now impart that wisdom. Yeah, it's it's more like uh, facilitating, right? Mm -hmm. Because as we learn in the military, right? What's the military's? How do you learn in the military? You, you mess up, like, yeah. and they, there's no. Somebody's gonna let you know. Someone's gonna let you know really <laughs> fast how, how yeah. bad you messed up yeah. and how not to do that again, right? And right. if you think about how a child learns, it's the same thing. They stick their finger in the electric socket once mm -hmm. and then they never do it again right right um we learn naturally by making mistakes so mm -hmm. not to say that you you shouldn't do things we're all going to make mistakes but it, it's really easy to work with people who've made all those mistakes like me and many others like me and then say hey these are the three things i learned these mm -hmm. don't do this mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's uh kind of what's not talked about in public forums, it's mm -hmm. all about cheerleading the entrepreneur, having the genius on the stage that succeeded. Mm -hmm. But what about the 90% that didn't? What, what can yeah. we learn from that? Yeah. You know? Well, that's a great segue into last question I usually like to ask my guest is, you know, in your life experience, your experience as a business leader now um, raising capital for small business owners, you know, if they wanted to reflect more of the life that they want, what's that one piece of wisdom um, that you've garnered that you think you would share with someone else to actually live out the life they want? Just go, it sounds like uh, something you shouldn't do, and 
not common sense, but go where you're uncomfortable. Mm. Make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, don't seek comfort early in life. Go, go to uncomfortable spaces mm. because that's what gives you strength and resiliency, right? Mm-hmm. Without practicing discomfort, you don't become resilient, in my yeah. opinion and experience. You got to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And over time, you become resilient. I think as we age, if we don't put ourselves in those uncomfortable positions, we get softer and softer and softer. And then, you know, then it's too late to kind of redo that, rewind that tape, right? So um, that that would be my advice. Put yourself in uncomfortable positions, but with good intent on yeah. improving yourself. Well, I think that's excellent advice. And, and I think about one of the principles we teach in the man school, you know, we, we teach about dream evolution, you know, going from these things that we know we can do versus things that are stretched versus the kind of impossible dreams that get us way out of our comfort zone that both excite us tremendously at the same time kind of scare us yeah. because unless we get into that space, we can't grow. And then we help teach the mindset and the skill sets to actually evolve into becoming that person so you can actually execute on those things with yeah. with help of people with expertise such as yourself in the financial arena, a small business leader. We, we encourage coaching and getting support and advice from people that have been there and they walked through that that door and stepped into those uncomfortable spaces before and they can uh, we can learn from the wisdom of others. Yeah, how many times have you said to yourself, let me ask you a question, you know, yeah. um, when something's happened and you say to yourself, that wasn't that bad, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. I've said that hundreds of times, yeah. right? And you anticipate these awful experiences, bad things with things that you either put yourself in a position to proactively or you have to react to because mm-hmm. something unexpected happened. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, most of the time, it's you look back and say, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm, I'm getting much more comfortable with that myself personally as yeah. I've grown um, to where I'm comfortable taking more risk and you know that going back to that fall forward fast kind of mindset. It's like right. I'm stepping through doors I've never stepped through before. I don't know where all they're going to lead to. Right. But it's like, okay, this this is I'm going to go try this. Kind of like this interview. Oh, right? absolutely. You're like scared you that I was coming over <laughs> and you, you've done well. But, uh, uh, <laughs> well, this you know doing a podcast is a fairly new experience for me. It's been a lot of fun. I think the greatest joy I have in it is getting to sit down with people such as yourself and just yeah. learn from you yeah. it's like so we knew each other years ago on a little bit of a level because we served together but we didn't really know each other that well but right. then we've had these different life experiences that kind of come together and now we're at a place in life where we're helping other people more directly and we're sharing our wisdom and our life experiences to where uh, but i get as much out of these interviews as anybody yeah anybody out there in the list listening on us like wow listen to what john just said you know, and I want to go figure out how do I apply more of that in my life? You know, it's funny you say that. I, I, it, my whole vet to CEO experience, we've done around 40 cohorts. Mm-hmm. We have, we've had for every th- module we deliver, there's a guest speaker. So we've had over 100 guest speakers, Yeah, over 240 sessions. To your point, I have learned so much just by listening to the guest speakers. Yes. You know, uh, it's it's been a wonderful experience. So. Yeah, but it's two examples of what we're talking about, right? Put mm-hmm. yourself in these positions where you can have those experiences yes. that you get that advantage. Get out of your comfort zone. Well, if people want to learn more about FOLA Capital and raising capital in the small business sector, or if they want to learn more about vet to CEO or to connect with you, what are some ways that 
they can connect with you, John, and your organizations? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can mention this show if you're LinkedIn with me. There's not too many John Panachones out there. <laughs> but um, folacapital.com is our website for Fola Capital. And, and it's F-O-L-L-A capital.com. Right. And then vet to CEO, V-E-T-T-O-C-E-O.org. Uh, is the okay. CEO website. Well, well, we'll make sure and include in the episode notes for this podcast those links for people, and uh, we'll help get the word out about Vet to CEO and help to connect people that are in small business looking to that. grow their capital needs to connect with you and learn from not only that aspect, but maybe just learn some general life wisdom and small business leadership experience. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I would welcome that. Well, well, it's been a true honor to have you, my fellow uh, former colleague in the task force 2nd of the 505th parachute infantry regiment and airborne all the way yeah airborne cool. yeah. well thank you for being a guest on uh, reflect the life you want i want you to encourage you just to go out and live a life of greatness thanks tim thanks for having me